Bretto, the wellness world can get a bit confusing at times, particularly when it comes to protein powder. Sure can, MP. Some protein powders have nasty fillers, artificial sweeteners, flavours, and not to mention a poor source of protein. This is what sets True Protein apart from the rest. It's true, MP. True Protein has no gimmicks, no false promises, no nasty fillers, no artificial sweeteners or flavours, and a total honesty policy that ensures every ingredient list is transparent and pure. Not to mention, True Protein is absolutely delicious, GMO-free and grass-fed. True Protein is the premier choice of world-class athletes, sporting teams, and wellness enthusiasts all around the world. And for listeners of The Wellness Guys, you can get an awesome 10% off your True Protein order when you use the code WELLNESS10. Just go to trueprotein.com.au and enter the discount code WELLNESS10 for 10% off. Surely that's too good to be true, Bretto. It's the truth, MP. Wellness Guys listeners get 10% off your True Protein order when you use the discount code WELLNESS10 at trueprotein.com.au. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Damien Christoph and Dr. Brett Hill. This episode of the Wellness Guys is brought to you by the all-new Sprouted Forage Cereal Breakfast Range. Did you know that when you sprout your nuts and your seeds, you can access more of the nutrition? Well, now you do. To find out more, visit www.foragecereal.com. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. This is Damien. And this is Brett. Brado, we've had a very fascinating chat, um, a chat that I believe could have gone on for maybe 90 minutes, 120 minutes, 150 minutes, yeah. but definitely more than one podcast. It's unfortunate we had to cut it short, but it did go for a little bit longer than what we expected, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's such a great topic, and it is something that you could, I think, sit and discuss and debate for such a long period of time. And we sort of touched on it a little bit at the end, I think, when we talked about John Demartini, and we talked about that sort of polarity concept. Mm. And uh, and I think that's kind of really where, you know, some of the questions we're asking in this really kind of sit is, you know, we're looking at things like this wonderful movie we're talking about, uh, The Power of the Heart, and, and his previous movie called The Secret, and, and you know, some of the the ideas that are around that, around connecting to self and connecting to your heart and, and the law of attraction and those sort of things. And then the kind of polarity of that, which is around, you know, taking massive action and getting uncomfortable. And, and you know, I, th- I think it was a great discussion to have because I think it's really important that that we do understand that there is a polarity and, and that actually both of those things can kind of exist together. It doesn't have to be either or, which is, I think, where some people seem to get stuck when they, when they start looking at these sort of movies is thinking it all has to be, um, you know, just following your heart and doing what feels good as opposed to, you know, the, the alternative approach and, and thinking that it has to be one or the other. When I think reality is, and the polarity would say that it, it can actually be both. And that's where it gets sort of interesting. And, and as I said, that's what I think we could have discussed for hours on end. Yeah, I agree with you. And it just seemed to, you know, get to a point where everything was opening up. But for those of you uh, interested in who we were speaking to, we were speaking to uh, the director of the secret and the director of this uh, of the movie the power of the heart and uh, his name is drew harriet and he's a really interesting guy young guy but with a mind yeah. um that's kind of expanded which is nice because i think a lot of people um you know think that what chiropractors talk about uh is pretty foreign but to hear somebody in his space talking about exactly what we discussed but linking it to another organ within the body i think that was uh, really nice the, to be reminded of the interconnectedness of all things i think was great 
I love that. Yeah. Well, because we, we have really, I think, in the last five or ten years, really, you know, there's always that pendulum that swings in terms of our philosophies around health. And it feels like the last five or ten years we've really swung towards that real, um, you know, focus on on evidence-based medicine and reductionist medicine and, and you know, limiting, you know, cutting things down to their smallest parts and trying to show you know, definitively this causes that sort of stuff and, and maybe ignored some of the bigger vitalistic pictures of looking at the body as a whole and understanding that it is more than just A plus B equals C, that there's a, there's a whole branch of actions and interactions that result from that. And so it's nice, I think, to have someone come and remind us that that there are, once again, you know, a polarity there in terms of how we look at the body, that we need to look at the minutiae and study that and learn from that. But we also need to remember to look at the bigger picture as well, which I think is super important. Oh, mate. You're absolutely right. Well, let's get into this uh, interesting conversation. But before we get into it, there's a little competition that we're going to be running online for this particular podcast. And you'll need to go to our Facebook page and join in the conversation. Um, tell your friends about our podcast. Subscribe to it. Go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. All of those things that we haven't said for a long time. We still need to do all those sorts of things. But in this regard... Tell us why you would like to watch this movie and give us your feedback on the interview uh, that we've done with Drew Herriot. So in our, on our, on our um, what's it called, Facebook page, go Facebook. to our Facebook page and start and join in the conversation, say uh, what you loved about this uh, podcast and why you would love to watch uh, this particular movie, The Power of the Heart, because we've got 20 uh, free rentals to give away. And, uh, and, and and the best way to do this is through a competition. Tell us why you deserve to win a copy or a viewing of The Power of the Heart. I can't wait. And we will read all of them and pick one. So we love getting your feedback. We love hearing your messages. So Damon and I will definitely, whatever you write, we will both definitely read it. Absolutely. All right, let's get into it, Brado. Today we're joined by Drew Herriot. He's a world-famous director. But for those of you who have never heard about Drew, he was the director of The Secret and more recently the director of The Power of the Heart. And we're really pleased and honoured to have Drew join us on the show today. Drew, thanks for joining us on The Wellness Guy Show. Thanks, guys. It's really nice to chat to a couple of people who are more neurotic about health than I am. So <laughs> this will be fun. <laughs> oh, Drew, it's, um, it's an amazing journey that you've been on. Um, uh, there's not many people in the world that haven't heard about the, uh, the movie The Secret that you did. And, you know, obviously that ruffled some people's feathers, but it actually catapulted some people into the stratosphere in terms of the way in which they live their life now. What have you been up to recently? I've actually been uh, working on a pilot for a drama series. Um, up until this point, I've done documentaries largely right. and uncovered all sorts of fascinating things in those, um, in those movies. But I'm really interested in exploring a little bit further than what science has been able to prove. And, of course, in a documentary, everything has to be ideally um, factually based and able to be verified and I just want to mess with a story a little more and <laughs> so I'm I'm writing a, a, a pilot or I've actually written a pilot that is a combination of all the things that I find most fascinating um, into this into this one show so I'm really excited about getting that off the ground yeah that's the main thing I've been up to well, that does sound fascinating. I'd love to hear more about that a little bit later on. But we were going to chat about uh, the power of the heart because uh, we just spoke off air and said, you know, this is a topic we haven't necessarily spoken about uh, in de in any sort of detail on the Wellness Guys. And so we thought this would be a great topic to talk to our listeners about. Um, so 
give us a bit of an insight, the power of the heart. You know, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about the, the mechanistic view of the heart and why it's so important to pump blood around our body? Or are we talking about a bit of a more you know, metaphysical approach to the heart and what else it might offer? Tell us about the power of the heart and what that means to you. Well, The Power of the Heart, first of all, is a, a film I made. Um, it's a documentary and it features some of the most um, extraordinary icons in our age, people a lot of the listeners would know of, like uh, Eckhart Tolle and Paulo Coelho, who wrote The Alchemist, and also um, some famous American figures like Dr. Maya uh, Angelou, who's passed away now. She was America's Poet Laureate. So some really wonderful, inspiring icons. And I, I got involved with the project um, because I have a fascination with making the unseen seen in some way uh, I guess that's what you could say the secret was too it was a sort of unseen force and making it a little bit more somehow tangible and accessible to wide audiences and the heart of course has been spoken about in virtually every religion and every tradition as being the seat of the soul and with all these extraordinary intuitive capacities and so I got involved and excited about it because I'd, I'd heard that the heart is powerful but I wasn't sure exactly how and I wanted to stress test a lot of the concepts I'd heard and put them to the test scientifically and dramatically with some um, real life stories and all of that so that's that's what the journey has been and it blew my mind really I'd have to say <laughs> making the movie uh, I bet it did I mean these sorts of things you know have the the potential just to go down a rabbit hole if you like and obviously you know what a rabbit hole is um, from a, a metaphysical or quantum physics you know, perspective. But we often hear people say, oh, listen to your heart or go with your heart or make decisions with your heart or your heart never lies, your tummy can and those sorts of things. And I, I presume that that's somewhere where you're heading with this. Are we teaching people to kind of get back in touch with their heart and listen to the power of their heart in that regard? Yeah, absolutely. And and um, I think Brett asked the first question around whether it's the physiological or the metaphysical heart. And this is where we start to get into all kinds of causation correlation um, issues, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with. But for those who aren't, it's, it's very common to think that um, something is the cause of something else when really it just correlates. So you might think that um, uh, just because ice, more ice creams are sold on hot days that ice creams cause hot days, but we know that's not true. Or, the, or we, or we <laughs> I'd look love at that. A, a wouldn't movie, that be great? We, wouldn't that be great if we just get an ice cream on everyone, <laughs> you know, on our wedding day? Um, or, or likewise, you know, the TV metaphors used a lot. You see uh, actors on the TV and people from other cultures, primitive cultures might look at that and think the people are inside the TV and they're living in there. But that's, a that's a, again, a causation correlation problem. So when it comes to the heart, of course, we're talking about the physical heart. There's a lot of correlation between the physical and spiritual heart but um essentially a lot of the um the challenge has always been to try and find the soul or the mind inside the body scientists have not been able to do that they've been through every um, millimeter of the brain and the heart and found fascinating things but have not found you in there and have not found your soul in there because these things mind and soul tend to be a little more holographic and non-local. They don't seem to be, correspond to any particular part of the body. And yet we have the experience, don't we, of when we feel love, we tend to feel it in our heart. And and so there's correlation. And the heart, some of the most fascinating stuff in the movie, I think, in the first few scenes, we take a look at um, some of the science coming out of heart math, where they're actually able to show that the heart can perceive information and know something before it's even happened which is incredible. And 
And you, they even devised a scientific experiment to be able to prove that that's been repeated since then, where essentially subjects were sitting down and looking at random photos that a computer was choosing. And even before the fo- random photo was chosen, the heart reacted to it. If it was a violent image that was going to be coming up, the heart already reacted to it. Right. And it was a beautiful image. It reacted in a different way. So this is incredible. So the heart seems to have access to, the physical heart as well, seems to have access to a realm that's beyond space and time. And that's where you start to get into this conversation about the heart's intuitive capacity. It's the capacity to know something, not just 20 seconds in advance, but, you know, weeks or months in advance, that whole prophetic idea. Mm. Um, So so that, that was really some stunning science that I wanted to put in to satisfy my minds and all the other keen minds watching the film yeah absolutely oh that's that's um so fantastic it kind of you know resonates with me too from the perspective of um dr emoto's work with water you know just the power of uh of words and intention its impact on water you know the the science or the studies that he was doing back in japan many many years ago talking about you know putting the word love on some water and changing its molecular structure um, yeah, I, I did that with some rice, actually. Did you guys ever do an ex- your own experiment with it? <laughs> no, I, well, I did with plants. I did. I actually planted some oh, sunflower did? Okay. seeds. Yeah, and so similar yeah. sort of, you know, um, exp- experience in that regard. What did you have with rice? Well, I, I had one that I sent love into, one, one thing of cooked rice, and one that I sent absolute hatred for rice into. And... And, and I actually had the opposite effect where my large <laughs> really? rice went moldy and the other rice didn't. And, and this, is, this is one of the fascinating things that happens. And it, it came up at, in all of Pear's research at Princeton where they actually found that sometimes people had the opposite effect of what they were intending. Um, and they found it is really fascinating. There's a, you can look into it all. It was decades of research at Pear. And they found ultimately that what made the biggest difference on your intention, your capacity to affect physical reality, was the bond or the connectedness that you have. The, and, and love is sort of the, it's often described as the glue of the universe. So that's why we often hear of um, people like uh, twins that have this profound connection through time and space or mothers and mothers and daughters, they know what's going on with the other person because they have this bond. And, and that's quite efficient, really, because you don't necessarily want to have a bond with everyone and know what's going on in everyone's lives. Love seems to be the glue and the connector. It's a really interesting experiment. And, and my thinking around that is maybe it's just your perception of what was a good result for the experiment. Like maybe going mouldy and having all those bacteria growing and that health and that vibrance and that innate intelligence, maybe that was the positive response, that it was more yeah, maybe a, natural maybe a and alive. Yeah. so much love that they flourished. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So you mentioned before, Drew, about the connection to the soul and reconnecting with your soul and those sort of things. So um, can we talk about like like tangibly, what does that look like? And, and what are the benefits of being connected to the soul as opposed to not connected to the soul? And, and is there any way of measuring that? Sure. I mean, well, there's there's when you break it down, there's probably three reasons why you'd want to think about doing any kind of um, focusing on the heart. There's, there's, there's first of all, physical health. Um, HeartMath, who are featured in the film, uh, a research institute in California, use this term coherence to describe this sort of optical, opt- optimal physical and mental and emotional well-being. So when you're stressed, you can actually see that physically. You see your heart has this, it looks hectic, the heart rhythm. Uh, it's jagged and, and looks stressed. 
then when your body is relaxed and you have these sustained positive emotions, your heart rhythm reflects that with a smooth wave. And that's when you have optimal, not just heart function, but also brain function. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but your IQ actually drops when you're stressed. That's why you probably notice how silly you can get when you're really stressed. You sort of go stupid all of a sudden. Doesn't and that's why pilots have, pilots have to have those detailed instructions for emergencies because they just sort of forget everything they've learned in moments of stress. So, yeah. so the first thing is physical health that uh, gets your whole body and mind optimally functioning. And there's a, a method in the film to do that that's really simple. And the next one's probably emotional fulfillment um, because I think we've all heard of people on their deathbeds and in 9-11 they weren't calling their family saying, oh, my God, I wish I got a promotion and I wish I remembered to you know, stack the dishwasher this morning. They're all saying, I love you. I love you, honey. <laughs> I want you to know how much you all mean to me. I love you. So in some deep part of us, we know that that is the essence and most important thing of, in life. And so by tuning into our hearts and into our aliveness, and that's what it feels like when, you, when you're connected to your heart, you feel alive and enthusiastic. By tuning into that, we're, we're, we're um, toning up the quality of our life, not just the quantity of our years. And so connecting to your heart is really important to lead to that emotional fulfillment. And then as I was mentioning, the spiritual aspect, um, you have this seemingly this internal GPS. Um, that's what your heart can be. And when you tune into it and listen to it, it can lead you through some of life's most tricky decisions. I mean, there's been times where I've, my mind said something and my heart has said something else. And I've learned that I've started just acting on what my heart's saying more so than my mind, particularly after seeing all that research coming out of heart mass. I thought, gee, if it knows something I don't know, <laughs> if it knows where I'm really going here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to my heart. Yeah, totally. It's so profound, isn't it? It's, um, yeah. It's profound. And, and I think, you know, what you've, you, what you've started to do is open up a whole new discussion, a whole new understanding of it. And I think, you know, we look at it from a chiropractic perspective. We use the concept of the discussion around innate intelligence. Um, and we've probably narrowed that down a little. We actually lost the concept of innate intelligence because we started talking about back pain, neck pain, and headache. And so mm. we stopped talking about innate intelligence. And then the profession became divided around whether or not we'd use the words innate intelligence and subluxation to describe what's actually going on in the body. And then somehow along the line, we've started to use innate, in, innate intelligence um, as the immune system, oh, sorry, the, the nervous system. And so, you know, we're now talking about the nervous system and we're validating what it is that we do through the nervous system. But innate intelligence is in everything. It doesn't run necessarily through um, channels of nerves. It doesn't necessarily run through um, channels from an acupuncture perspective or meridian lines or anything. It's just in every single cell. And that's kind of what you're exposing here with the heart. So it's not necessarily yeah. that we just know that in our heart. We know that in our body. We know that in our being that something's going on. Yeah, absolutely. It, it came up in the research too. I had no idea that uh, two quite profound things that the heart actually has its own brain, um, which is often called the heart brain. And there are neurons in the heart. There's neurons in a lot of our organs. So as you say, there's sort of innate intelligence everywhere in our body. It's, it's holographic, as I was saying before. Um, and, the, and the other sort of amazing thing that came up, because I know chiropractic has a lot to do with um, the signals going from the brain down the spinal cord to all the different parts of the body. And uh, they now know that the heart actually sends more data up to the brain than the brain sends down to the heart. Um, yes. and, and, in, and in the research, uh, they're showing that the heart knows, as I said, what's going to happen before the brain 
knows what's going to happen. So you know how people have that that feeling in their gut that you were talking about before, that sort of intuitive yeah. punch in their gut? Yeah. The order is that the heart, first of all, has an experience of what's happening. It sends it up to the brain, and then the brain goes down and releases into the gut. So that's the order, heart, brain, gut. Um, yeah. So it's really it's fascinating. They can track all this now. It all makes sense too because the brain obviously yeah. is the filter. It gets all the information, decides on what's important, and then makes a response. So that all makes absolute sense. Yeah, amazing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it really and is. it is interesting. You know, it kind of changes the way we think about, I guess, the nervous system and the body and the communication. Because you know, the old style way of thinking about it is thinking of the brain as the, you know, the central computer that sends out all of the messages to the rest of the body. But I guess now what we're seeing is it's more like a network of computers that there are these brains all over the body, you know, sending messages back to that that sort of central point of the brain and then distributing out. And, and so it's a much more complex, you know, mechanism than I guess the simplistic view we've had of, of how our body is run and how our body is controlled. And so, you know, I think this adds into the knowledge we've now recently learned about the gut-brain connection and now we're saying the heart-brain connection and, and probably eventually we'll start talking about all the different organs as having their own little brains and their own little connections. And, and I think that makes so much more sense. You know, we are talking about a much more complex mechanism than than just those early simplistic ideas of sort of how the body runs do you think that's fair to say drew that, that this is more complex even than just the heart brain connection yeah i do i do think it's it's incredibly complex and i think that's why it's useful to remember that it's not so much about completely flooding our minds with information unless that's your job and your passion um and that's why anchoring back to the heart, which is really a good level of our, a good, it gives us a good sense of our degree of aliveness and fulfillment. It's, it's a good place to focus. And I'm sure we'll find all sorts of things about the body. The body is extraordinary. Drew, with regards to the heart, we, you know, there's a, a greater understanding and a greater feeling, a greater emotion about it. And, uh, and as we all, you know, kind of tap into that, um, that heart space, um, there's a lot of people, uh, I, I suppose, entering the heart space. And we hear yogis uh, or yoga teachers, you know, tell us to connect with our heart or connect with our with our body. Um, we're here in meditation, you know, here's your opportunity to connect with your heart and to, you know, connect with your soul and to connect with your purpose and, and those sorts of things. And a lot of authors are often speaking about, you know, finding your heart connection and, 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 and all of those sorts of things. Have you got strategies that uh, people can use to understand more about their heart and to tap into that function or that feeling or that... Uh, you know, the intelligence or wisdom of the heart? Yeah, it can sound really intimidating, can't it? You know, connect with your soul. Just we've got just yeah. a couple of minutes here before this meditation wraps up. If you all want to connect with your soul and, <laughs> you know, get a download, just go for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's why I'm always looking for the, the simple way through the complexity. And, and I loved uh, Paulo Coelho in the film. He said yeah. to just follow your enthusiasm. So it, when the heart communicating with you feels for most people like enthusiasm at, at its most basic level, if you're enthusiastic for something, you're passionate about it. I like it. Um, but, of course, that that is just the beginning of what the experience can be. Um, uh, probably the most profound experience I had was uh, walking the Camino. Have you heard of that through yeah. Spain? Yeah. Yeah, so I walked that. Have you guys walked it? I haven't. Have you, Bredo? Oh, I haven't. No, you've got to put it on your bucket list. It is, it's wonderful. It's, a, it's an ancient pilgrimage. People walk it from all walks of life, and it crosses the width of Spain all the way to Santiago. And people used to walk it. They actually thought that was the end of the world. So they were walking to the end of the world. How cool is that? <laughs> um, now, now we know the world's round, and it's still a nice walk. Um, and so I did that back in 2001, just walked for 30 days. And as I walked, 
I um I thought I might see I was hoping I'd see apparitions of <laughs> you know in the sky and all these things that some people have seen walking it but <laughs> all I had was this slow and steady opening of my heart and it started to feel like I had this warm breeze blowing through my heart um and everything touched me and moved me deeply um and and that stands out to me as one of the most profound experiences I've had. And, what, and from what I've heard, it just keeps going. There's no limit. There's infinite depths in the heart. Um, so there is and – and I think it's really important when people are starting to think about how can I connect with the heart. It's a very personal thing. Um, the mind likes to divide things up into boxes and to-do lists, and the heart seems to be between all those things. It's everything – and I've observed that it tends to be in everything that is – unnecessary or what i'd call fun necessary um so for example um for example if you're like if it, it, to procreate um animals like cane toads they'll just have sex right but the heart and and they'll say it'll say the heart the mind will say what's a rose got to do with procreation right <laughs> it doesn't produce sperm it doesn't incubate a fetus why do you need a rose but the heart's all about that rose that's everything. It's the gateway into a loving sensuality that defies description, you know. And so, so the heart is all the things that are unnecessary but bring the richness to life. So rather than sitting down and going, here's my to-do list, you can actually start to layer in um, what can I bring that is completely unnecessary today that can bring more joy into my life and other people's lives. That's where, that's really where the heart lives. That's nice. In all of those so interactions. Drew, I'm really kind of curious about this because, you know, when we exist in the world of sort of health and wellness as we do and, and you read lots of stuff on sort of personal development and all those sort of things, you kind of – you get this sort of bipolar nature of the advice you've been given that I think you know, often confuses me and often confuses lots of other people about what they should do. And and I guess on one side of that equation, you've got yourself and you're talking about, you know, the law of attraction and just sort of, you know, how your thoughts are going to create your reality and you're talking about – yeah, following your enthusiasm and doing what feels good. And then, you know, the other side, I guess, of that polarity is we have people saying, well, you know, you need to get uncomfortable. You know, you need to move out of your comfort zone and you need to take massive action and you need to do, you know, all these other things if you want to create change and get better and develop and, and be the best version of yourself. And, you know, I think a lot of people are sort of stuck between those two ideas and they're not sure how to merge the two together where they're sort of like well do i just back off and just trust my gut and trust my heart or do i push forward and try and create change and and get to where i want to be how do you see people um bringing those two ideas together or, or do that or should they be trying to bring those two ideas together well it's a fantastic question and um, and it's true that on the pathway to following and, and doing what you love there's immense challenge um, in fact, that's what makes the trip rewarding. If I said to you, what's, what, what, guys, what are your like main dream and goals that you could possibly be in your life? What would be the grandest vision you'd have for yourself, for example? Um, for me, the grandest dream and vision. Um, I, if it's to be totally selfish, it would play golf every single day. I think that'd be that'd be an amazing thing to do. But if I was to be, you know. <laughs> If, if I was to kind of tap into the altruistic um, and and you know the the generous demo, it would be go, no go, golf's okay, golf's fine. <laughs> well, I, you know it's kind of a, that's a tongue in cheek kind of thing, but that that I suppose could be um, the the fun component. But the 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 but 
I would love to have every single person truly understand what it means to be healthy. I think that that's where I'd love to be. That'd be amazing. Okay. Okay. So what? Yeah. And, and and heading that up in some way is that right? Yeah. You're absolutely. part of bringing yeah. that into the world. Yeah, okay. Part of being, you, yeah. Part of that solution. Well, yeah, I think the very question kind of speaks to this this divided nature of sort of my thinking in that, you know, when I think about that, I do, I have a sort of a dual purpose and, you know, the kind of the, the heart math side of me wants to say, well, I just want to be relaxed and happy and raise, you know, healthy, happy kids. Um, and then the other side of me that is perhaps a little bit more ambitious says, yeah, I, I do want to help create a movement and help the world uh, discover their, their own health and, and their best potential and, and all those sort of things. So So it is that kind of once again, that sort of bipolar nature of my thinking that, that I want both all at once, everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I think it's it's important to recognise that um, in your case, Damo, for example, if you're wanting to have everyone understand health and that potential, if that if I could just click my fingers and that happened, it was just done and you didn't have to do anything, yeah. it may not feel like it's been a very rewarding journey for you. That's true. So, so what makes it rewarding is who you become in the process. Yeah. But you're not going to have the will and the dynamism and the excitement and the enthusiasm to do it if it's not something you love. Yeah. So that's where you can end up with someone saying, my, I hate my job, I just don't want to do this. It's probably because it's not something that you truly love. But as soon as you tap into what you really love, you get a sort of strength and enthusiasm and vitality that comes from who knows where that can help you achieve the impossible. Yeah. Um, and, and who you become in that process is what it's really about, not the end result. I think it's not. I think that's nice. That's a, I, I mean, that, that sings to so many different things uh, in and around a purpose-driven life. Um, but, you know, the way we look at people who are aging really well and have longevity They've got this purpose, and there's a, an engagement component to that, and and it's all part of the journey, like getting there. Like there's a, a passion and a purpose, and and being the person that's you know moving towards that uh, is the most successful thing you can do in your life. That's what it appears to be. Yeah, and 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 for a lot of people who who don't know what aren't clear on what their passion and purpose is, um, uh, I think it was Marianne Williamson that said something really powerful. She just said that life can unfold as a series of steps. And if you just keep taking, following your enthusiasm to the next thing that brings you joy and, and you're enthusiastic about and the next and the next, you'll ultimately live a life of purpose. It may not be clear to you. And you might not see it all at the outset. You just take it a step at a time. Yes. Um, but, Brett, your, your question, I've almost dodged your question. I didn't mean to. Of <laughs> what, what role does action play? in attraction is that kind of what you're asking yeah yeah i guess so i guess so because i think you know from to play devil's advocate i guess that was you know perhaps what some people would say about for example the secret you know and they would say well it's you know the the law of attraction is great and the um you know the visualization and the affirmations and all those things are great but but perhaps without the the action to follow it up then then maybe people are sitting back and waiting for it to come to them as opposed to going out and getting it yeah sure look i think the best way i've heard it described is that the role of action, I think it was um, Abraham Hicks that said this, the role of action is to receive what it is that you're attracting. Ah, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Right? Yeah. So so if, you, if you've set a vision and it's coming to you, you need to be able to receive it. And there can be a lot of steps in receiving it. But nonetheless, you're moving towards your vision 
and you're growing in the process and that is a rich and fulfilling life. It's, it's what, what the, the line that's important to recognize is when you start taking action towards something that doesn't feel aligned, you're not enthusiastic about it and you're just butting your head up against a wall. That's a really good time to step back and say, hey, I think I'm actually miscreating here. I don't know that this is actually receiving what I'm wanting to attract. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That makes total sense, doesn't it? That makes total sense. And it kind of it does bring it back to that concept of the secret. You know, there was that the power of the of thought, but really it, the thought is what initiates um, activity or action. So you've got to be able to think about it first, dream about it, you know. And, and feeling too. Yeah. Feeling was the final yeah. words of the secret were feel good. You know, the feeling is, is essential. As I was saying in all those pair experiments, it was the feeling that actually created the impact in the physical world. Yeah, it was it was the feeling and the bond and the connectedness that that is critical. There was a yeah. lot. There was a lot of that in around that time. You know, I remember seeing messages from uh, the secret in the movie Avatar. You know, there was that interconnectedness of all things and you know thought and uh, it, it all sings to the same thing and it kind of all comes back to the heart, which is which is you know awesome. What are the sorts of things that people expect when they watch this movie? Um, how, how do you expect that they'll feel or how do you expect that they might uh, improve their life or change their life as a result of watching your movie, Drew? I try not to expect anything and I'm always surprised by <laughs> what I hear from people. I've actually been surprised to see that The Power of the Heart has been received um, by a lot of people better than The Secret. They've, um, it's really had a very profound effect on a lot of people. That's the reviews great. have been amazing. Um, and I think I think that's because it, it's this, the heart is the measure of our aliveness of our life. It's it's the most important thing to focus on. That you could go about attracting all sorts of things, but if your heart's not in it, um, it's often said. You know, the, the the feeling you have in the process of attracting what you want is the feeling you'll have when you get it. <laughs> so if you're having a fairly hollow experience of attracting something you'll probably have a pretty hollow experience when you get it. Yeah. So, so, so tuning in and, and, and to what you really want and tuning into enthusiasm and attracting from that space is, is ultimately more fulfilling. But I guess following on from that about wanting to, to feel good, Drew, but, but you know, if I look back at, I guess, some of the more um, impactful moments in my life and some of the things that perhaps I'm most proud of or that I've gotten the most joy out of, you know, a lot of the time they have been from somewhat uncomfortable experiences, you know, where it has been challenging and where it has been difficult and where I've been able to move and flow through that. Like, I mean, the, the obvious example that comes to my mind is, you know, as a kid who grew up with a speech impediment, you know, ultimately going to speak on stage was a terrifying thing and very uncomfortable and and all those sort of things i mean uh, you know if, had i sat back and and sort of listened to what feels good then, then i think perhaps i may never have done that you know how do you deal with that uh, i guess conflict in terms of that advice to to go with what feels good well it's not a conflict because um because there is a stirring inside everyone that's urging them to become more and do more i don't think you could have honestly felt better by sitting there and not doing your public speaking and moving through that. Yeah. I think you would have probably, how would you have felt if you'd never done that? Would you have felt? Yeah, really no, I, I would have, I would have felt hollow, you know, for, hollow, for not right. having stepped up and done it. Yeah. So I, I believe that feeling good calls us to step into challenges like that. Nice. It does. And, and look, we could talk and would love, I'd love to talk more about. <laughs> I think we could, we could do this John, one for hours because it's such yeah, a fascinating John, topic. John D. Martini, if people are looking for more on on the, the sort of the pol 
polarized nature of life. Demartini speaks into it better than anyone else that I've heard, John Demartini. Yeah, agree. Um, and, I, and I think that that's partly what we're starting to tap into, um, but it's probably a whole other conversation. It's very rich, though. It's so a rich, rich area. Yeah, it's an amazing area. Oh, Drew, this has been totally fascinating. I can't wait to sit down and watch this uh, movie with my son, Jackson. Um, I reckon he'll get a lot from it. It's a good time for him, actually, at 18 years old, to get access to this sort of information, the thought that uh, he should go with his heart and feel it and feel good about the things he's doing and, and seek that. I just want to thank you so much for creating the movies that you have and, and wish you um, all the best for uh, the work that you're doing at the moment. And I just want to let our listeners know that um, you've very generously uh, given us 20 online rentals of this movie, uh, which is outstanding. And so uh, we will uh, we'll make those available uh, to people uh, when they comment and join in the conversation on our Facebook page. Uh, but Drew, your generosity is amazing. Um, the knowledge that you've got is incredible, and the movies that you that you're building and you're sharing with people are, are life changing. So thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me, guys. You're doing wonderful work, and I love listening to your podcast as well. It's great. Good on you, Drew. Thank I have you, one. Qu- I have oh, one yes. question for you, actually, just before we go. Sure. Um, what? What's the um? I just, I'm just curious if it's okay just to turn the tables for a sec. What's probably yeah. the one, if you can think back to the one health route that you've gone down that you've later realized was not very fruitful? You know how we, we explore so much mm. and, and love to dive into things. Have you guys had um, some experiences where what's the one thing? We're always talking about what works. What hasn't worked for you guys? Okay, I know exactly so how to answer this. Well, I know I can. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly. Uh, so I have helped over the years th- tens of thousands of people lose weight um, physically. So physically move fat, and it obviously um, has either gone onto somebody else's body um, or it's come back onto that person's body uh, for whatever reason. Um, I don't think um, I did. It definitely didn't fulfill me helping people lose body fat because it never necessarily made them incredibly happy. It was very rare that somebody was overjoyed with the fact that they'd lose fat or lost fat. Um, it never got them to a happier place. Uh, in fact, many people actually found um, more comfort in doing things that were um, unhealthy for them um, than losing weight. So um, I think that was the most unsatisfying thing that I ever did or the least fulfilling thing that I ever did and I kind of I wonder whether or not there was a way in which I could have done that better wow yeah that's fascinating I wouldn't have guessed that that's amazing how about you Damo uh, that was Damo this is Brett oh sorry guys and, uh, <laughs> that's alright <laughs> right. we sound a lot alike yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but you know it, it is once again such a great question and I, I want to preface this question by just acknowledging Drew that I actually do love your work so I just wanted people to know that I was you know playing devil's advocate and asking a couple of questions there but I'm totally on board and, and feel like I personally got a lot out of the secret and feel like I'll get a lot out of um, learning more about the power of the heart and have done some heart math exercises previously and, and gotten a lot out of them so i just wanted to say that because i want people to know that um and and that probably speaks to my answer to this question as well that is you know i could probably there's probably a number of things i could list here but i think for me it was probably a time in my life when i got a little bit obsessed with the idea of taking more action and being more productive um and and wanting to do more and more and more and uh and so 
you know, for me, it was realizing that I was trying to um, to do too much uh, and probably trying to do too much for the wrong reasons to try and um, well, I was going to say to try and prove other people wrong, you know, to prove that I was good enough. Um, but ultimately, yeah. it wasn't really about the other people at all. It was about trying to prove to myself that I was good enough. Um, and so that was probably what I would see as my one of my biggest lessons uh, was um, realizing that I was good enough just the way that I am and um, changing uh, the way I was saying yes and more particularly saying no to things in my life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think. Uh, the reason I asked the question is because I think it's really important for everyone to acknowledge that our beliefs change and what we love changes. Yeah. And so when we acknowledge that, we can explore, I think, with a a different sort of openness um, so that even as we gravitate to something that feels right, we always are able to keep this openness to other possibilities. And that's what I what I try and do and I think is a really useful, useful thing because we are all evolving. Constantly, it's unstoppable. Ah, it's very true. Nice. Very true, Drew. Thank you for getting us to do a bit of inward reflection on ourselves too. That's a, that was a great thing to do. Um, it's left me pondering. You know, was that the only thing I could have said, or was there something else I could <laughs> have answered? But uh, I'm pretty comfortable with my answer. Bretto, nice, uh, nice sharing. And Drew, thanks again very much for doing what you're doing. You're doing a wonderful job, and you've you've got two fans of the secret, and you'll definitely have, I'm sure, two more fans uh, with your latest movie. So. Thank you again. Um, and for everybody, go to thepowerofthehart.com um, where you can watch it. If you do want to win a free download or a free rental, uh, it's an online rental. You're going to need to join in the conversation. We'll give you details of that at the uh, the front of the show. Or they will be at the front of the show, so you would have already. this is the second time you've heard it. Thanks very much, Drew. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of The Wellness Guy Show. We hope you love the new feel. Remember to continue to interact with us and tell us what you thought of this and other episodes. Please head to facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Guys and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. This is the way that we get to share our message with the world. For more information about Bredo and all that he's up to, please head to drbredhill.com.au. And to find out more about me, head to damienchristoff.com. Until we meet again, continue to bring wellness into your life and we'll join you next time on The Wellness Guy Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.